0: Monica is certainly a friend who changed my life. Have any of you ever had a friend that kind of changed your life, that came into your life and asked you to do crazy things, and just being around them kind of changed who you were? It brought out the best in you. I've had a friend like that. I'm not actually going to talk about my wife, but I had a different friend in college named Clint. I met Clint Uh, sort of through a finance class. So I did my undergrad in uh, business administration, Colorado State University, and we were both in the same finance class, and I noticed him because he was sitting next to some girls, and he noticed me because I was sitting next to some girls. (laughs) And eventually we ended up in the same study group and discovered that we were both hilarious. At least we thought each other were both hilarious. And as we got to know each other, Clint pulled me out of my routine. See, my usual routine was to get up. I I lived off campus. Get up, go to school, go to class, go study, go to the lab, maybe go to one of the college clubs, like swing dancing, not an exciting club, uh, or improv, and then go home. And so I really didn't have much of a life in college. But once I met Clint, he invited me into his friendship circle, his, his, the people that he knew and loved. And I began to serve at his church a little bit and just be around him. And we would hang out. We would watch movies or we'd watch a television show, television show and talk about God or we'd go out and just do fun things together. He moved from an acquaintance to a friend to a life-changing friend to someone it changed my life. After college, he visited me in D.C. Uh, I invited him to climb Longs Peak with me in Colorado, and we did kind of crazy things like that. The, the, the kind of the wildest thing that he invited me to do was go camping in the middle of winter, December 28th in Colorado. I don't think I would ever do that again. There was four of us cuddled together. It was cold. But this is a kind of friend that changed my life. Today we're reading uh, from the book of Luke. Monica read it. And we're reading kind of the story of an acquaintance that turned into a friendship. A life-changing friendship. We all need friends. We all need life-changing friends that come into our lives. I love that I heard that theme kind of. Began with Anthony, and then uh, Rebecca shared it a little bit in her faith story. We all need friends, and Christ offers that to us. And he offered it to Peter in the Gospel of Luke. But it was kind of a, 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 an invitation to Luke, uh, to, to Peter that was that was challenging. Jesus said to Peter, Leave yourself and follow. Me, And that's the same message for us this morning. Leave yourself and follow Jesus. Jesus is offering to kind of come into our lives with this same calling. Leave yourself and follow him. Follow Jesus. Is it worth it to follow Jesus? How can we know if we've met him? I hope that as we listen to Peter's story in the Gospel of Luke, that you'll reflect on your own story and that you will move closer from acquaintance to friends with Christ. So Jesus calls Peter with a very simple request. I'm going to read Luke 5, 1 through 3. We're going to read through the passage slowly as I talk about it. Peter calls him with a simple request. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen, one uh, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So this isn't too complicated. Jesus asked Peter if he could use his boat. He began to slowly get into Peter's life. Kind of like Clint and I joined the same study group. Jesus asked Peter, can I use your boat? And they already knew each other. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. But Peter was a a fisherman. So he was a fisherman off the Sea of Galilee. In in Luke, he calls it Gennesaret, or however you want to pronounce that. Uh, and, and he was in Capernaum, so that's northern Sea of Galilee, so I think Israel, Middle East, uh, kind of northern. And one day, Peter is down by the shore. He's washing his net. So fishermen in that time, they would wash their nets after using them in the lake. You would think, well, why would you wash a net? It's been in the water. Well, as it's in the water, it catches rubbish, it catch, catches trash, uh, kind of dead fish, uh, reeds. It catches all these things. There's a lot of things to catch in the Sea of Galilee. It's actually a very big lake. It's 13 miles long and roughly 8 miles wide. And so they would wash their nets, stretch them, and then lay them out in the sun. And here Jesus comes along and he interrupts Peter in the midst of his busyness, in the midst of his task, and says, hey, can I use your boat? And then Jesus begins to speak the word of God to the crowd from the boat but notice that we're never really taught, told what Jesus told the crowd because that's not the point of the story. The, Jesus was not there for the crowd. Jesus was there for Peter. Jesus is there to interrupt Peter's life, to become his friend, but to also to become something more. And he does more than just interrupt Peter's life. He takes control See, Jesus moves from a polite request to a gentle command. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he, Jesus, said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So when Jesus says put out, this is actually a command. Now, I don't get the sense that Jesus approached Peter and said, put out the net. No. I'm sure it was a kind of gentle, hey, put out. I'm going to show you something. Something. Put out. Go out into deeper water. Now, notice that Jesus is invading Peter's life, and he's telling him what to do. It's a good friend right there. This is really what obedience is. Jesus is describing obedience for Peter. See, put out is going, and then put down your nets is doing. He's telling Peter, this is obedience, and I want you to obey me. Go and do what I am calling you to do. Something is going to happen. Every relationship with Christ, with Jesus, begins by deciding if we're willing to trust him and if we're willing to obey him. That's kind of the core of what a real relationship with Jesus is, putting our faith in him and then willing to, becoming willing to live life Jesus' way. Now, if you were to ask me when I put my faith in Jesus, I'd tell you it was when I was four. When I was four, uh, I I realized that I wanted to be a Christian. And so my mom was sitting in the living room. I ran into the living room and told her, hey, you know, I want to believe in Jesus. Uh, I guess it was because uh, my brothers were Christians and I thought that was kind of cool. And so we knelt down beside my blue couch. And prayed the prayer, kind of a faith, putting my faith in Jesus. Uh, I imagined confessing my sins. And then my mom said something interesting. She said, You know, and I was repeating after her, Lord, I want to trust and serve you forever. And I was like, Whoa, that is a big commitment. Obedience, like a lifetime of obedience here. Uh, And so I actually walked into the next room and told my brothers that I did not want to be a Christian anymore. (laughs) Because I was convinced Christians are slaves. And I had this weird image that slaves are bald, and I did not want to be bald. <laughs> so that was kind of when my faith journey began uh, with Christ, where he became really an acquaintance, someone I believe, someone I trust, trusted. And, and I think if you were to track my early years, I would say I, I was really trying to obey him. But then I went through a period of rebellion. Uh, in my teen years, I did some things that I'm ashamed of. Uh, From the time I was 15 till about the time I was 17, I partied behind my parents' back, drank alcohol, and I looked at pornography. And I did things that are sinful. And see, I was disobeying Christ. My relationship wasn't an honest one. It wasn't an authentic one. But Jesus, just like he called Peter, called me to obey. And I had an opportunity when I was 17 to really turn my life to Christ and begin to obey him. So really trust in him, but like a whole life trust. Jesus moves from a polite request to a gentle command in our lives. It seems like the longer you know Christ, the more he says, come and follow me. It's not easy, but I need your whole life, not just a piece of you. Now, Peter is struck by doubt, but he still obeys. And that's, that's an okay thing. Verse 5 says, Simon answered, Master. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. So clearly, Simon Peter here knows who the fisherman is. See, Jesus grew up a carpenter. And perhaps he doesn't know that fishing is done at night. It's not done in the daytime. Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. Now, Peter does this with a sense of respect. He says, Master. You know, if you're going to disagree with someone, compliment them at the beginning. <laughs> I think Peter's doing a little bit of that. Master, you could say this is like overseer or manager. Perhaps you could translate it uh, rabbi. Good teacher, you're a good teacher, but you don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I'm the fisherman. Trust me, you're not going to catch any fish. But Peter says, you know what, I'll do it. Now, if you were here last week, and you can listen to our messages online, uh, you would have learned that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother-in-law got sick, and so Jesus came to uh, his house, and he healed her. So Jesus and Peter have been around each other. But this passage is kind of uh, describing a turn in their relationship, a new point in their relationship and their friendship. And so, whether out of guilt or a sense of obligation or just paying Jesus back, Peter obeys. And, you know, if if your relationship with God starts with that small of, 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 of just kind of that small of faith, it's okay. That's not a bad place to start, saying, okay, God, show me yourself. Show me yourself, Jesus. Now, Jesus does show himself and his power to Peter. Verses 6 and 7, in them, Peter really experiences the power of Jesus and what he can do firsthand, face to face. Verses 6 through 7, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So the story has changed. Something incredible is happening. A boat is laden down with fish. It gets so full that, uh, that their freshly cleaned nets begin to fray and snap and twist. The Sea of Galilee is full of tilapia, full of carp and sardines, so you can imagine all these different types, uh, big, small, tiny little fish just wriggling around. So many fish, thousands of fish, that the nets begin to burst and break. Now, the boat that they used was a pretty big, big boat. The, the type of boat that I'm used to is a canoe. So in Colorado, I grew up with a canoe, not really the New England sailboat, Uh, in Colorado. It was a green canoe. It was about uh, 10, 11 feet long, maybe two or two and a half feet wide, Uh, a fun canoe that we could take out on the lake. So maybe some of you have experiences with boats, but this boat, uh, they've actually found uh, fishing boats uh, from the kind of the northern sea of Galilee region. So they found one boat that dates back to about the time of Jesus and it's really big. They found it near Capernaum, so near this actual location. Instead of me telling you the kind of the, the length, I actually want to measure it out today. So I have a helper, Bruce. You can give him a hand. Uh, I helped Bruce measure the parking lot lights, so now he's uh, helping me. And we're going to measure the width. So, the width of this boat is seven and a half feet. So, let's actually do it this way. I'll come up here and you can go down there. So, seven and a half feet wide. All right, so we're at seven feet six inches right there. Can you see that? Like, that's a pretty wide boat. All right, now the depth of this boat that they found, real boat, is four and a half feet. So, why don't you measure four and a half feet on you, Bruce? Where is four and a half? Right there. So, you can just kind of get the head. You can kind of see the head. That's up to my chest. So, this is already an incredibly wide and incredibly deep boat. But the really amazing thing is the length. So, the length is 26 and a half feet. So, we're going to keep going here. We're at 15 feet, 20 feet, 23 feet, 25 feet, 26 and a half is right here. All right. So, that is a big boat. All right. Thank you, Bruce. Let give you a round of applause. Perfect. So that visually, it's kind of incredible how big this boat was that they found, that Jesus and Peter, some of Peter's partners, were in. This boat is made of cedar, of oak, so it's no joke. It's a sturdy boat, but it begins to sink So these boats could hold up to one ton worth of fish. And there's two boats, roughly this size, full of fish. Are you starting to get a glimpse of how big the miracle is that Jesus performed? It was huge. This just doesn't happen to fishermen. If you went to Gloucester and you asked the fishermen, have you ever just had a catch like that, I doubt they would say yes. And we all need Jesus to perform these types of miracles in our lives as well. See, Jesus had to sort of prove himself to Peter in order for Peter to snap to attention and to pay attention that Jesus is different than just your average man. And sometimes we approach God the same way, saying, God, you know, I don't need my minivan full of tilapia But I do need you to come into my life in a radical way. And I need you to change my circumstances. Maybe it's my health, as we heard in Rebecca's story. Lord, I need you to change my health. Maybe it's your family, broken family relationships. Lord, why don't you perform a miracle like that in my life? Maybe it's your career. You've recently been let go of your job or you're looking for job satisfaction and you simply don't have it. And you're looking for a one-ton fishing boat-sized miracle in your life. Well, notice what Jesus did with Peter. He said, well, first you have to obey me. First you have to believe me and trust me. See, we approach God and usually say, you know, if you'll do this for me, I'll obey you. Jesus is the other way around. He says, come and trust me, and I'll work it out. I am faithful, faithful for, to those that, that love me, that follow me. That doesn't mean that I'm going to answer your every want, your every desire, but I will change your life. I'll show you I'm trustworthy. And how does this kind of radically transform Peter? How does this impact Peter Well, Peter confesses the lordship of Jesus in his own sin. Verses 8 through 10 when Simon Peter saw this, saw this miracle, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. They were astonished. Peter realizes that he is not in the presence of a man. He is in the presence of the Son of Man, of God in the flesh. He falls down, like, I mean, the boat is already deep and it's already full of fish and he falls down knee deep in these wriggling fish and says, get away from me, leave me, I don't deserve to be in your presence Notice how, Jesus, how Peter has changed his changed his address to Jesus. At the beginning, he said Master, and now he says Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, the word for Lord is the kind of the modern translation for the Old Testament name of God called Yahweh, which is kind of his his promise name, his name that says I am a faithful I am a faithful God to my nation to my people Israel. Here, Peter is identifying the God who parted the Red Sea with the man standing in his boat. You're the God who parted the Red Sea. You're the God who can part the ocean and pull out fish. You're the Lord of the universe. And he's so struck by his own heart. That's what happens when we we come uh, into the presence of God. We're struck by how rebellious and sinful our own heart is how inside we turn against God, that we don't love God. If you don't know God, Peter's story can become your story. You too can confess that Jesus is your Lord and he's your Savior. Now, how do we know that Jesus is a Savior? See, Peter became aware of his sin, but there's not really a fix in this passage. Well, the fix is at the end of the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus goes to the cross, when he's betrayed by a friend, by Judas, and all the political and religious leaders, they condemn him. He's perfectly innocent. He never did anything deserving of death. But everyone condemns him. They flog him, beat him, and sentence him to die on a cross. Jesus is crucified, and he dies, and he is put in a tomb. But thank God, that is not where the story ends. If you've ever seen the the show Godspell, that's where the regular story ends in Godspell. Jesus dies, and it's a sad story, and we remember him. But the Gospel of Luke tells a different story. Tells the story that three days later on Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death. This is what we call the resurrection. Cornerstone believes in the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection. Because it's Jesus' ultimate proof that he is God. So he didn't just perform miracles like catching lots of fish. He rose again from the grave. And he says, whoever is willing to put their faith in me, to not be ashamed of me, to call me their friend, their Lord, their Savior. I will also give them eternal life. We read John three sixteen, which promises God will give eternal life to whoever believes in him. That is the good news. That is the solution to Peter's sin problem. And each of you can receive that today. Then... The story continues. Jesus doesn't call Peter to just be amazed with him. He calls him to come and follow him. I'm going to read the last two verses of our passage, verses 10b and 11. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus calls Peter to come and follow him. He does it by saying, don't be afraid, Peter. Does that remind you of any other story in the Bible? You usually hear about Christmas time, Christmas is coming, and you're going to hear the story of Mary and the angel Gabriel that appears to her and says, don't be afraid, Mary. I bring good news. I bring tidings of good joy. There are other stories in the Bible, the story of Zachariah in the temple, and the angel appears to him and says, don't be afraid. See, Peter is terrified because something from his dreams, from his imagination, the God that he read about in the Old Testament has become a reality in his boat, and it's terrifying. Have you ever had that experience where something that you kind of just dreamed about or thought about became a reality and it kind of freaked you out? I had this experience the first time I ever met a movie star. So one day I was working at Indian Village in the mountains of Estes Park, this is where I grew grew up, and Gimli the Dwarf asked me a question. (laughs) I turned around, and someone had asked me, is there a bookshop nearby? And I turned around, and there's John Rhys Davies. So he played Gimli the Dwarf in Lord of the Rings. If you haven't seen that, I apologize, but I was kind of a nerd growing up. I went like an hour early to the first movie in a small town. No one was there. I was coming face to face with someone from my imagination and it, it freaked me out. Like I, I mumbled, oh, the bookstore's kind of down the street. Him and his girlfriend kind of laughed at me and left. <laughs> Peter is coming face to face with someone who has really just lived in his imagination. Here's God. Here's God in my boat and it's scary. And Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I come in grace. I come in mercy. I come with love. It's good to realize we're not God. We're not in control. What does Jesus also do? He tells him to follow him. Jesus tells Peter, come and follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. Now in Luke 5, we see kind of the beginning of Peter's journey. And if you're to read some more in the New Testament, you read the the book of acts and the book of acts actually describes peter catching 3000 souls he preaches a message in acts chapter 2 and 3000 people repent and put their faith in christ and this is kind of the kind of the continuation and that's peter's calling peter's calling by jesus was to go and to tell the world about jesus and his resurrection from the grave but our calling if we're to obey jesus if we're to be his followers is similar, but it's also different. It's similar in that we're called to put our faith in Christ. That is where a relationship begins with Jesus. And it might be a small faith, but God can use a mustard seed to move mountains. And then how are we called differently? Well, we're called to follow Jesus in our lives. I am called into full time ministry. So I work here, I'm your pastor but you are called in your jobs. Wherever God has placed you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that is where Jesus wants you to be faithful. And he might take you on some adventure, some crazy adventure in life. Some place you might not imagine. Maybe it's Russia, maybe it's Haiti on a trip to serve those that are uh, different than us. But it might be something else entirely. Who knows? Peter leaves himself to follow Jesus. This is the message of of Luke 5, 1 through 11. Leave yourself to follow Jesus. Leave yourself and follow him. Peter and James and John, these became the disciples of Jesus. They took in the biggest catch of their life. I'm sure it's even big for today's standard. Two tons of fish with that size of boat. They became instantly moderately wealthy And notice what they did in the story. They pulled their boats up on shore and they left it all behind because they realized the real treasure was walking down the shore. Jesus Christ. When you meet the God who creates the fish, the fish become less interesting. Today, in God's word, you're meeting Jesus. You're meeting the God who created everything, who allowed us to worship in this wonderful building, who gave you life. I hope that like Peter, you'll recognize your need to follow him. Follow means to become a disciple, to obey. First put your faith in him, but then to say, God, I'm all yours, I'm all in. As you encounter Jesus, will you follow him or will you keep mending your nets? I'm going to invite Anthony up to kind of play a little music as we head towards the closing closing as our as a church we are a church that is trying to follow jesus we have kind of a vision statement of what we want to become who we want to become and and, and what we want to accomplish we're in a series right now called welcome to cornerstone it's five weeks in, in october in which we're talking about our vision statement and our mission statement Our vision statement is what we want to become. It's a gospel-centered church that changes lives through sharing the message of Jesus Christ in word and in deed. And our mission is how we carry out this vision. It's to make mature and multiply followers of Jesus. Today, we've been talking about what it means to make followers of Jesus. I invite you to become a follower of Christ. It's worth it. It's worth it to follow him. This is what we're doing as a church. What are you doing as a church to try and follow him? Are you willing to commit your life to Christ? I invite you, if you don't know Christ, to repent of your sin. Like Peter, recognize that you are a sinner, that you need Jesus, that we all have disobedient hearts. Maybe if you've known Christ for a while, you need to start obeying Jesus just like I did. You need to confess that you haven't really been willing to talk about him with those around you. That there's things that we do in our lives that are constantly turning away from Christ. Leave yourself and follow Jesus. I'm going to close by praying uh, for us. And I'm going to pray a uh, kind of a prayer of confession. I invite you all to bow your heads. And uh, if you don't know Christ, you can pray this along with me silently. um, Or just listen to it and and think about what it means to come to know Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you that you came 2,000 years ago to this earth. And that you came calling Peter. That you came calling real people just like me. God, I confess that I don't believe in Jesus in my own strength. I doubt that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. But God, I believe. I choose to trust in Jesus. I I believe that Jesus died and rose again from the grave and that if I trust in him, I have that same future that the future of Jesus can be my future. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me a whole new life. I give my whole life back to you. I leave everything to follow you in whatever that means. Father God, I lift up the offering. Would you bless it? In Jesus' name, amen.